0: Let's see if we can do this orderly. Raise your hands. What has hands but cannot clap? I said, let's do this orderly and raise our hands. Man. What can you catch but not throw? Wow. Struggling with listening this morning. What goes up when the rain comes down? Well done. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. What's lingering beneath the surface but tightens when it grabs you? What's lingering beneath the surface but tightens when it grabs you? Oh, what? You're reading the Bible verses ahead of time. Not exactly right. Not exactly right. Gravity, well, yes, yes. A snare. It's lingering beneath the surface. And when it grabs you, it controls you. It actually tightens when it grabs you. Let's look together this morning at Proverbs chapter 23. I was going to give the winner a free lunch, whoever got snare, but I guess we're eating alone today. Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29, verse 23. Proverbs 29, verse 23 through 27. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The partner of a thief hates his own life. He hears the curse but discloses nothing. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks today for your exhortations found here in the Proverbs. And we ask now, Lord, that you give us understanding of how we can follow these exhortations We pray that you give us understanding of how these exhortations shape us and form us. So we pray that today, O Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would mold our hearts and mold our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone was passing me. Not only was everyone passing me and driving faster than me, everyone else was able to do these really fast turns in the warehouse. My forklift just seemed to drive a lot slower than everyone else's. I had just received my forklift license as I was working for a for a pop company on the weekends. It was one of my first weekends there, and I was just frustrated, wondering, how do I get stuck with this machine? Everybody else is cruising around having a good time. So I found the oldest person working in the warehouse. Not because the oldest is always the wisest, but has been around the longest. So I found the oldest person and I said to the guy, said, What's going on here? Why am I not able to go the speed of everyone else? And he says, here, let me show you a little trick. And he lifts something up, and next thing I know, he pulls out this little plastic thing, and he says, go ahead and drive now. That's the forklift we use when OSHA does our testing. They had put on just a little thing that slowed it down. All it was was this little plastic clip. That little plastic clip was stopping that forklift from operating at full speed. Oftentimes, there's something in our own lives that's stopping us from operating at full speed. There's three questions I want us to maybe ponder this morning. What is stopping us from confessing Christ with confidence? What is stopping us from experiencing contentment? What is stopping us from exhibiting God's glory in all of life? What is it that sometimes exhibits control over us that we don't boldly confess Christ? What is it that exhibits control over us that oftentimes we can't have the contentment that God promises? What is it that exhibits control over us that we therefore don't resemble the glory of God the way we were created to be? The proverb that we received this morning from chapter 29 5 would tell us that that which is stopping us from living to full throttle is fear of man. Or in other words, people approval. The desire and the hunger to receive approval from others oftentimes stops us from confessing Christ boldly. Our hunger for people approval oftentimes stops us from experiencing contentment. And our hunger for people approval oftentimes stops us from exhibiting God's glory in all of life. One little sentence here in the Proverbs. Proverbs is a book we don't turn to often. Oftentimes it's used as a devotional maybe. You'll get a proverb and then a devotion written from it. We don't preach from it very often. It's an interesting book. And the best way to describe Proverbs, I think, comes from Professor Gordon Harris, who's done a lot of work in the Old Testament at the seminary I attended, and he said the following. He said, Proverbs is designed to teach people how to steer their lives properly under the command of Yahweh, which would be under God's guidance. So Proverbs is designed to teach people how to steer their lives or navigate their lives under the command of God. So so throughout Proverbs, we just find little snippets. Sometimes it's one sentence. Sometimes it's paragraphs. Sometimes things go right along together. Other times, they're talking about vastly different things. It's like a parent having a conversation with a child. That's the beauty of Proverbs. It's God having a conversation with his children, giving guidance. This is wisdom for how to take the knowledge he gives us and apply it in our lives that we can faithfully follow after the ways of God. This morning, we're going to drill into this one proverb we received this one piece of guidance that makes us aware of that which can stop us from thriving. Fear of others has great power in our lives. I think people-pleasing might be a bigger problem in the majority of our lives than a lot of the other sins that get headlines a majority of the time. Because people-pleasing is oftentimes at the root of those other headline sins. People-pleasing drives us to do weird things. It also drives us to not do things. When I was in high school, believe it or not, I had a lot of ladies that were interested in me. And and I did have a girlfriend in high school. And in high school, I had this great outfit. It was this army uh, camouflage pants and then red-green. How many are familiar with red-green? Wow. No, red-green, the duct tape. Famous, yeah. Turn on public broadcasting, television. Anyhow, Red Green fixes everything with duct tape, and I would ordered a shirt from Red Green. It was kind of had fake suspenders on it and had some weird saying on the front. So I used to wear to school. This shows how cool I was. These camouflage pants and this Red Green T-shirt. Well, I used to take a lot of grief for that shirt. Finally, I started dating this young this young gal, and the young gal finally said one day, she said, "Hey." You can't come by my locker anymore when you're wearing that outfit to school. (laughs) Do you think the outfit was ever worn again? That pretty much brought a quick stop to that whole fashion. You know why? Because you're trying to please someone. You want someone to say, hey, I like you. We do stuff like that all of the time. We are people pleasers, and pleasing people can be dangerous. It can be really dangerous because seeking to please people can cause us to do certain things that are harmful to ourselves and them. Here's a list of things that I found really helpful of helping examine my own heart to say, Am I a people pleaser? Are you willing to confront sin in the life of another believer? Are you willing to confront sin in the life of another believer? Oftentimes, a people-pleaser does not want to confront anyone. Are you willing to acknowledge struggles in front of others? Are you willing to acknowledge struggles in front of others? Oftentimes, people-pleasers don't want to acknowledge struggles because it would affect the way that people view them. Do you oftentimes, do I oftentimes, steer conversations away from topics that might cause people to realize what I really believe? Do I steer conversations away from topics that might cause people to realize what I really believe? Do I shade the truth in order to not offend others? Do I shade the truth in order to not offend others? And here's two that Maybe I hadn't thought about it all, but this author, Ed Welch, helped me think about said, Do you fish for compliments? Do you fish for compliments? People pleasers want to be complimented. Do you frequently, frequently put yourself down in the hope that others will disagree? Do you put yourself down so that others will disagree, and you'll hear the opposite? You'll hear approval. Those are just questions to help us examine our own hearts and our own minds to say, do I struggle with an addiction to human approval? Do I struggle with seeking to please people before I seek to please God? Many of us, at one point or another, we can answer yes to those questions. Well, this concept of Addicted to approval or the fear of another human being. The Proverb describes this for us in Proverbs 29:25: that the fear of man lays a snare. Snare simply means something that is unseen, but is meant to trap you. Meant, and it's the same word used for noose, that when what happens when you pull away? It tightens. And so Fear of man is something that is kind of lingering beneath the surface, it's always kind of there in our lives, and it tightens its grip on us continually, oftentimes even as we try and leave it behind. And it's a noose in the sense that it controls us. And this is where fear or the desire for approval becomes unhealthy or dangerous. Fear of man or fear of fellow human being is not necessarily a bad thing all the time. I mean, it's a good thing to have fear in some instances. It's, there's nothing wrong with wanting people to, to like you or to say, hey, I approve of you. I'm actually scared of the person who doesn't want any approval at all. That's a, that's a fine thing. It's a human need to want approval and to want acceptance, to have belonging somewhere. It gets dangerous when it controls us. When that desire and longing for belonging and approval ends up controlling what we say, what we don't say, what we do, or what we don't do, the fear then becomes a snare. And ultimately, that addiction to approval controls us. Why is it such a big deal? that we can't be people pleasers? Why is it that we should seek to break free from this noose, this snare of people approval? Well, first, it's a big deal because this, when we fear others more than we fear God, the others are in control of our confidence and our contentment. When we fear others more than we fear God, the others are controlling our confidence and our contentment. Look at it this way. If I'm expecting something from someone and I need that from them, I don't have it, what? Very simple, until they give it. I don't have contentment then until when? When this person is okay with me, when I've pleased them. Have you ever been in a situation where you're really self-aware? Someone else is in the room and they're dressed really good and it's someone that you look up to? And you kind of came to this thing not knowing exactly how to dress and then you show up and the whole time, what are you thinking? Whoops. Should have maybe worn a collar shirt today. You become really self-aware because there's someone in the room that you care about and then what happens? That affects your confidence. Because in the back of your mind and in your whole being, you're thinking to yourself, what are they thinking of me right now? And it affects the way you interact with others. That person is in control of your confidence. The person who you're seeking to please is in control of your contentment. You're not going to be content until what? You believe you're accepted. You believe you have a place of belonging. The fear of man puts someone else in control of our contentment and our confidence. It basically does this. It takes our security out of God's hands and puts it in someone else's hands. And if you look at this proverb, proverb chapter 29 verse 25, the second half of the proverb tells us where we're supposed to get our security. If you look at the second half of the proverb, it says, "But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe." In other words, where is our refuge? In the presence of God. In the knowledge of God. We look at all of the psalmists and the psalmists declare, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The one who gives us security, the one who ultimately controls our confidence and our contentment should be God alone. Yet when we fear others above fearing God, they control our contentment and our confidence. How crazy to put that much power in another person's hands. And not only that, put that much power in an unreliable set of hands. Because one person can provide confidence and contentment maybe for a moment, but it's not going to be consistently over a long period of time. Find me a person that you've never been disappointed with. Not once have been disappointed with them. It simply doesn't happen. People disappoint us. Even our closest friends, our spouses, we disappoint one another. Why? Because we're frail. We're broken sinners who are not yet perfected. Why would we put our confidence and our contentment in someone's hands who cannot deliver it consistently over a long period of time? Fear of man is a big deal because it robs God from giving us our security. Fear of God is a big deal because ultimately fear of man is a big deal ultimately because it does this. It elevates humans and it minimizes God. And this is the root of the problem. Is that in the fear of man when we're seeking to please people, we're putting people in the place where God alone belongs. We see this in John chapter 12 that we read earlier in our service. The authorities, talking about Jesus, it says the authorities believed in Jesus. But what happened? They kept silent. They didn't say it. Why? John 12 tells us that because they loved the glory of the people, the temple leaders, rather than the glory of God. In other words, they wanted to receive applause They wanted to receive approval. They wanted to be told, you're great by humans. They longed for the approval of humans more than they longed for the approval of God. The religious leaders, if we would have read John chapter 5 today, it's a very similar passage to John chapter 12. The religious leaders, Jesus says to them the same exact thing. Hey, you're having trouble confessing me because... You're looking for the glory of your peers rather than glory from your Creator. In other words, the religious leaders wanted the approval of people. The government leaders wanted the approval of people. both instances, what happens? God gets minimized, humans get elevated, and there's no confession of faith you look in John chapter 12 that we were reading earlier, turn there with me if you would in your Bibles, John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse 42, John 12, verse 42, Jesus speaking, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. John's speaking about Jesus, sorry. Nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. What's the issue? The issue is not that they didn't believe Jesus. The issue is they didn't confess it. There's a lot of people that believe in God, but they're unwilling to confess it. Christianity is not this one-time transaction where I received Jesus Christ in my heart, I'm good to go. I accepted Jesus, I believed in Jesus, I'm good to go. No, what's Jesus concerned about? A confession that we're willing to publicly proclaim and declare Jesus is Lord. We can say all day long, I believe in Jesus in my heart, but if I'm unwilling to confess it, what's going on? I've put someone else in the place of God because I fear them more than I fear the living God. Am I willing to confess Christ? And I'm not talking just about walking out of here and wearing a shirt that says, I confess Jesus. We don't just confess Jesus when we say the Apostles' Creed or say I believe in Jesus. We confess Christ when we follow Christ's commandments. We confess Christ when we follow Christ's commandments, because when I follow Christ's commandments, I'm confessing that Jesus is who he says he is. I confess Christ when I'm willing to cross the road and help the person who's hurting, like the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was confessing Christ when they did what? They were willing to reach out across ethnic and religious boundaries to help someone else. And they were boldly declaring Jesus is Lord. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to realize it and say, hey, thank you for boldly declaring Jesus. But we are confessing Christ when we're willing to follow the commandments of Christ. Last week, we talked about this issue. Do we have a big enough view of God that says God knows all that's going on? And so God recognizes when what? When we minimize some of His commands, so that others don't have to find out that what? We actually believe those things. I mean, do we we not believe that Jesus sees right through that? If we're going to confess Christ, we have to be willing to follow the commands of Christ. The fear of man elevates humans to a place of God. And then it minimizes God. And with minimizing God, we minimize the commands of God. What happens in that whole process, is that we're giving acknowledgement to someone else besides God. We're giving honor to someone else when we say, I'm willing to follow your will rather than the will of God. Fear of fellow human beings is dangerous. It puts our confidence and our contentment in someone's hands who cannot deliver consistently. It puts someone else in the throne where only one belongs, the creator of the universe. People-pleasing is dangerous for our souls, but more than dangerous for our souls, people-pleasing is dangerous for God's created order because people-pleasing removes God as creator and owner. So how is it then? How do we break out of this pattern of seeking to please people above all else? How do we break out of this snare that oftentimes controls us? How do we break free so that we can boldly confess Christ? How do we break free so that we can experience contentment? How do we break free so we can display the glory of God in all of our lives? This morning I have bad news. There's no formula. I have no three-step action plan for you this morning on how you break free from pleasing people. It actually comes down to a fundamental belief and position that we put ourselves. How do we break free from being people pleasers? We put ourselves in a position where we are secure. So, I break free from being a people pleaser by defining myself as a child of God. I break free from being a people pleaser by finding security in God and then working from that position Of security the rest of my life. So when I'm making decisions, when I'm with other people, I'm coming into that relationship, I'm coming into that situation as a child of God with confidence and with security because I know whose I am. It goes back to Proverbs 29 25, the second half of the proverb. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's not a three step little process. That's a life of trusting in God. And a life of trusting in God gives us security. And then I operate from a position of security, a position of confidence. Have you ever seen someone come into a room and act with confidence versus someone come into a room and kind of dance all over the place, unwilling to make a decision? How do the people in the room respond? They follow the person with confidence. The one who comes in has got a clear vision, says, here's where we're going, here's what we're doing, versus the person that comes in and says, oh, wow, there's just a lot of good ideas here, and um, maybe we should have beans, maybe we shouldn't have beans, Um, but the person that comes in and says, what? No beans. All of a sudden, everybody enjoys that. Maybe not in that situation. You get the point, though. Confidence changes behavior. We need to be people of confidence. So many of us are walking around with our heads down like this. We need to get elevated up. We should have great confidence. Why? We've got the creator of the universe that has said, you're my child, you're in my army, go. We should have confidence to stand up. That confidence should change our behavior. And when we come with that confidence... Then all of a sudden, the first question that comes to my mind is this, what does God think? How many of you have ever made a decision, the first thing that's in your mind is, oh boy, what's so-and-so going to think about this? It happens all the time, we're just, man, we're doing that that question, then what? It just goes in our mind, what do you think, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? The question that needs to be in our mind is this, what does God think? And here's where it can get dangerous, and I want to provide just an extended moment of understanding on this question. Because Christians get so wrapped up in this question, and then it actually leads to more anxiety. So you're working from a position of confidence. The first question that comes in your mind is, what does God think? We have to realize this. Oftentimes, there's not going to be a complete blueprint of what God thinks. So you're faced with a decision in life. You've got to make a decision, something at work. And you're coming with confidence knowing, I'm going to act as a child of God. I'm going to act with integrity in this situation. The business deal comes up, you're faced with the situation, and you're like, okay, what would God want done here? Oftentimes then we sit there and we go like this. And we're, okay, God, um, work out, lay out the strategic plan for me. To put the periods where you want them, cross the T's, dot the I's. At least from my experience and what I see in Scripture, it doesn't work that way. God doesn't lay down a detailed blueprint. So God's given us freedom to move forward as his child. And this is where the issue of wisdom comes in. Wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge we have and apply it to specific situations. So God says to me, love my neighbor. He doesn't say exactly, hmm, should I buy him one more meal? Should I pay for their heat bill this month or... That level of detail isn't available. That's where wisdom comes in. I know God wants me to love them. Now, wisdom is the ability to plavot, do that love, that command, in that specific situation. So when we're faced with difficulties and we say, the first question, what does God want me to do? Realize from the start, oftentimes it's going to be a broad truth. And God's leaving it in our hands. And then, that the beauty of our Creator? that God doesn't create human beings as little robots, but God gave us the opportunity for creativity and for thinking. God's not just stuff. Do you. Remember that old little Christmas toy that you wound up like this and you sat down and it just ran across the floor? God didn't just create us in a certain way and then just wound us up and we go. We're not robots. He created us with a, with a mind to think and a will to act. And so we need to go in with confidence as a child of God, we need to have at the tip of our mind, what does God want? Then we just need to be willing to step out in boldness and faith and say, I'm moving forward as a child of God. I don't know if this is the exact right way to do it, but I'm doing it. I'm stepping out in faith. Lift it up. Lift up your head. Broaden those shoulders a little bit this week. Why? Because the creator of this universe loves you. The creator of this universe knows everything about you, what you have done and what you have left undone. And the creator of the universe, even after knowing all of that, says this, you are my child. How can we fear anyone else when the one who we should ultimately fear above all others has accepted us and has approved of us in Christ? you are accepted, you are approved. Those are words that all of our hearts and our minds long to hear. When our top desire is to hear those words from people, we put them in control of our confidence and contentment. When our top desire is to hear those words from people, we rob God of his glory. Ultimately, when we desire to hear from people, Their approval, we stop confessing Christ. Today, we need to hear the words, in Christ, you are approved. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are God's child. Therefore, whom shall I fear? Let us pray. Almighty King We acknowledge that you are God above all. We acknowledge that you are creator and owner. And we ask now, God, that you would instill in us confidence and contentment from your hand alone. This morning, I pray, O Lord, that each soul in this room would recognize the value and the worth they have in your sight. And I pray this morning, O Lord, that you would enable and empower each of us to leave with confidence. God, we thank you this morning that you approve of us in Christ. We thank you that you accept us because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, on our behalf. God, we praise you and we thank you. Move us out in boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.